Ladies and gentlemen, hope you're enjoying quarantine, because we're fucking back. We back. With another episode. Oh shit, it's weird, bro. Sorry for the long uh, wait. Well, you, you know, know, I moved, and we, yeah. we there's just a lot of shit happening, and now fucking COVID-19. Shelter in place, yeah, shelter so. in place hit, and we can't exactly show up at each other's houses and start recording, you know? So this episode sponsored by Zoom. Uh, not really. Well, Zoom, not you officially. Know, if, if you want to pay us some money to plug you, that'd be great, you know. But it's not really sponsored. It's all but good. But we're on Zoom. We're on Zoom. What the hell are we talking about today? We're talking about Amelia Earhart. Oh, that lost bitch. Yeah. So she was gonna do a flight around the world, and didn't really work out that way. Circumnavigate. She got most of the way. You sure? Yeah. Do we know how far she went? She went pretty far. Yeah, she went pretty far, but you know. She got to like she went from it's like horseshoes and hand grenades here, Chris. Yeah. Mm. You right. know? Yeah, 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 I guess close. <laughs> but no cigar. But not close enough. Yep. That's too bad. So So Amelia Earhart, she was the first woman to do a bunch of aviation feet, Oh, she was a badass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was the first female pilot to cross the Atlantic Ocean. So I mean, that speaks for itself, because I wouldn't want to be the first one to do shit, so... Uh, especially across the Atlantic, you know what I mean? You just, <laughs> like, if it's over land, that's a different story. But if you're going over water, you're fucked. If yeah. you go down, you're you're screwed. Over the ocean. Yeah. If you fall on land, yeah, you're probably going to be hurting real bad, but you're somewhere. <laughs> she was a best-selling author, and she was instrumental in the formation of the 99s, which is the organization of uh, female pilots. Female badasses. Yeah. And this was back in, what, 1890? Nope, that's when she That's when she was born. It was like 1830s? Uh, this was back in the, 1930s? Yeah, this was back in the early 1930s. Yeah, yeah she was born in 1897. So right. she, she, she's pretty old. She's like thir- you know? late 30s. Oh no! I'm talking about like now. She'd be oh old. oh now she would be yeah. uh old. Yeah, she'd be pretty yeah pretty old. That's yeah. I calculated. Yeah, it's pretty old. <laughs> you calculated? Great job. <laughs> but even back then, she was like a super forward thinker for her time. She got married. She told her husband that uh, he wasn't tied down to her, and she wasn't tied down to him. She needs to keep up a place where she can go by herself. Basically, she needs some space, and created an open marriage in 1931. That's that's what I was. She making open marriages back then. That's crazy. Yeah. That's like that's even progressive for nowadays. She was like, Most... "You don't own me." <laughs> I don't think she was anywhere near like our area. She didn't know the women's vernacular in our little region of California. Because you know, I know most women talk like that around here. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, yeah, that's. That's a different one. I didn't know that. So then fast forward to 1935. From where? Why are we fast forwarding? Because I was talking about Uh, old shit. Okay, keep up. Okay. Shitheads love a timeline, which they've been deprived of for far too long. Well, not so much because they've put over 200-something plays on our last episode just because they've been deprived of a new episode, which we appreciate. And we appreciate that very much. That's it. Anyways. Anyways, in 1935, Amelia Earhart joined Purdue University as a faculty member, as a technical advisor to the Department of Aeronautics, which is pretty huge. Uh, yeah, she, she, yeah, she counseled all the women on careers. 
of like the entirety of Purdue University, not just yeah. that department. And this is back um, in the thirties when women weren't equal to men. Right. I and mean, it's kind of a aren't. sexist thing. They're like, You're a girl, you handle yeah. all the women. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you're 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 in charge of the broads over yeah. there, see? You know? You're a handsome woman. <laughs> That's a term you don't hear nowadays. Right, yeah. You're a woman handsome that knows woman. what she wants. Teach yeah, all these exactly. other women to know what they want. <laughs> Let's move on. I mean, no, though. I mean, the other one, they're ambitious as fuck. They're going to fucking Purdue, yeah. for Christ's sakes. Yeah, I know. But that's, I mean, they're women at a fucking Ivy League university. Ivy League university. Uh, it's Purdue Ivy League? I don't think it's Ivy League. It should be, goddammit. Okay. okay. Drew Brees went there, so, you know. He did? Yeah. Drew Good Brees is a Boilermaker. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's what, what Purdue are. is. Yeah. The Boilermakers. Anyways, what Anyways. was she consulting people? At, Don't worry uh, about that. Let's go to 1936. All right. We're just skipping right on ahead. Yep. This is when she starts planning that round-world flight. Other, uh, Although yep. others had flown around the world, her flight would be the longest at 29,000 miles or 47,000 kilometers because international viewers, listeners, all, whatever. Only like 3%, but, you know, it's okay. Yeah. So her route would follow a route based roughly around the equator, which is the thickest double C part of the earth. Every time I hear thick like that, it reminds me of that Trump meme where he's like (laughs) got his tongue stuck out like he's about to say like that or something. And you just put thick underneath it and it's like beautiful. Yeah. Just cherry on top. It's hilarious. (laughs) So in July of 1936 with financing from Purdue, um, she had a Lockheed Electra 10E that was built to her specific specification. Well, specifications, because specifications are often specific. Yeah. When you said specific, I knew exactly what you were going to say after um, that. Yeah. I was going to make fun of it, but you got ahead of the curve. Well, you know, if you're from the hood, she had a custom-built thing. That's it. This included a bunch of modifications to the fuselage to incorporate as many extra fuel tanks as possible because if you're flying around the fucking world, you want enough fuel. You might need fuel. That's kind of a catch-22, though, ain't it? Because then Uh, you're heavy. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like... Fucking with your MPGs, bro. (laughs) Exactly. But it's like the... uh, I forgot what they... It's the rocket equation where they have to calculate exit velocity and all that because you have to take into account all the fuel that you have in uh, in the rocket, but uh, because that, that obviously weighs you down, but then you also have to take into account the amount of fuel you're, you're losing, so it's going to lighten up the load at the same time. But, you know, it's kind of a... You got to have a lot of fuel to go around the world, but that fuel is fucking, like, liquid's heavy. I don't know if you've held a five-gallon bucket of water. It's pretty fucking heavy. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And if you have a whole bunch of those on there, it's just going to weigh it down, which in turn makes you spend more fuel. So it's that's kind of freaky. To catch 22, as you said before. Quite literally. (laughs) (laughs) The flight was uh, arranged around Earhart's intention to circumnavigate the globe along with gathering raw material and public uh, attention for her next book. So she's promoting a fucking uh, book, basically. It's just a fucking book tour, is what this was. Right. You know how you know how nowadays when people have a book that's out, they go on podcasts, they go on Rogan's podcast, they go on all these different podcasts that are super popular, and be like, 
hey, let's talk about some shit. Oh, by the way, I have a book that's coming out. And I'm flying around the fucking world. <laughs> so buy that <laughs> shit. That's how you had to do it back in the day. <laughs> you had to you had to grab attention. Did, did they have TVs in the 30s? Uh, I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't think so. Well, no, they Dude. did. They they started in the 30s. I'm yeah. pretty sure the first movies were in the 30s. So it, it was just a book tour. Or no, they had silent much. movies. They had silent movies at that time. That's not a television. That's a different fucking well, thing. Well, not TV. You had to go to like somewhere to watch it. A theater, you know those a things that, that we used to go to before we were locked down because of COVID nineteen. You right. know, dude, movie theaters must be fucked right now. They're immensely fucked right now, but they also have yeah. a bunch of money because of upselling candy and shit. Well, that's my ten dollar sodas are holding it for them. Little little known fact about the movie industry, uh, I I don't know if it's little known. It's probably well known, but I was interested to figure out how movie companies like the actual production companies that made these big blockbuster movies mm-hmm. made their money because logically you would think their movies are in theater. So the theaters are making all the money. That's not true. So with the first couple of weeks that the movies are in theaters, they're uh, the theaters are basically renting the movie. Yeah. So they're, they're renting the movie from the companies and they make all of their money off of concessions, off mm-hmm. of popcorn, off of candy, off of soda. They make all their money off of that. And then if they decide, uh, once the production company stops telling them they can rent it, if they decide to keep viewing the movie after that, you know, when they move it to the smaller theaters yeah. typically, that's when they make the money off of the movie tickets. Right. Because for the first couple of weeks, they don't make shit off of those tickets. So it's kind of... It's a weird business, but that's once you figure that out, you figure out why. Oh, this popcorn's seventeen dollars. I thought you I, were gonna say like the movies were supported by the candy companies that then get the residuals when you watch the movie. Like special thanks to Junior Mints. That's a whole different episode. Okay. That that's a whole different episode. Because anyway, let's you know, go back to flying around the world. Oh, what we weren't talking about movies? <laughs> no, I don't think. Anyways. So. You don't think so? No. So, but let's go back to her her humongous endeavor of a book tour. Yes. So Earhart chose uh, Captain Harry Manning as her navigator because it was supposed to be a two person crew. Well, it makes so sense. Earhart was gonna fly. Manning would navigate. Um, during a flight across the country, they included Earhart, Manning, and Putnam, which was Earhart's husband. Uh, Earhart flew using landmarks, so she and Putnam knew where the landmarks were. Manning did a navigation fix, but that fix alarmed Putnam because Manning's position put them in the wrong state. So they were flying... Yeah, that's not the most accurate, you know? Yeah, well, the the navigation error was minor, but uh, Earhart's husband was still concerned. So later that night... um, uh, and this is, a... this is from this is from Harry Manning. Harry Manning was inaccurate, correct? Right. Okay. I mean, a little bit, but I mean, you still have yeah, like room for error. If you're flying around the world, uh, and you need to uh, land on an island in the middle of the ocean, if you're off by kilometers, you know, which may, in the grand scheme of things, be, be very minimal, minute, because you could still see a fucking landmass. Yeah, but what if there's, in what the if sky? there's clouds? 
what if there's clouds right exactly if, it, if it's cloudy and stuff you can't see you you rely on that navigation and if you're off by a couple of kilometers which you is go down why the land, they're doing a night flight yep to test manning's navigation skills so mm-hmm. it was very poor conditions uh manning's position was still about 20 miles off which according to experts at the time was reasonable since the margin for error at the time was 30 miles. Yeah. But, uh, 20, 20 miles on land uh, right. is not that bad. But 20, I'm thinking about in the ocean. You know what I mean? Yeah, like if exactly. You're, if you're flying into you're Hawaii. You're thinking like Earhart's husband. Like, yeah. You're going to kill my wife. Yeah, if you're flying into Hawaii and you're 20 miles off, right. you might not see that fucking island. You know, you're just like, what the, the hell is it? You know. So they fire but, that guy. And then through contacts in the L.A. aviation community, they find Fred Noonan, who was chosen as the second navigator because there were uh, significant additional factors that had to be dealt with while using uh, celestial navigation for aircraft. Yeah, rather than just landmarks. But, I mean, what's the, uh, <clears throat> Manning didn't use landmarks either. He was Well, Manning was more of a, but... a ship captain navigator. Noonan was experienced in both marine and flight navigation. See, that's that's completely different because so, if you're in the yeah. air and you're off and you're running out of fuel, you're fucked. Right. If you're if in the you, ocean, it, you can just coast for a bit. Yeah, you just kind of float in there. You still kind of fucked because you need yeah. somebody to get out there. But oh, you, you hit know, a rogue wave, and you're fucked. Yeah, but you're not gonna die right away, you know. Yeah. That's true. It, with the rogue wave, you might, but you know. Anyways. But yeah, so I mean, basically, Noonan is like this navigatory badass. He just left fuck? Pan Am. Uh, he established most of the company's uh, China Clipper seaplane routes. Hey, that's racist. Across the uh, Pacific or Pacific? The the Pacific? Yeah. Gotcha. So Noonan had uh, been responsible for training Pan Americans navigators for the route between San Francisco and Manila. The so Philippines? He knows a thing or two. A thing or two. <laughs> he sure does. <laughs> The the original plans were for Noonan to navigate from Hawaii to Howland Island, which is like Hawaii's like in the middle of the Pacific Ocean between like it's, Japan I'm, and California. Or it's more pretty, like Papua New Guinea and California. Like if you follow uh, that I think line. it's pretty equidistant between us between California and, and Japan. I'm yeah. pretty sure it's like smack. It's dab like in right the in the middle, Hawaii yeah. is. And then uh Howland is a little bit west of that yeah a little bit like uh, pretty far yeah it's like a, it's a real small island too it's not like it's this big giant no fucking it's thing, fucking you know? tiny i looked at yeah. it on a map it's really really small yeah i saw it it's like it's just a speck in the middle of nothing you know right. what i mean it's just like yeah here it is it's kind of weird so on to the first attempt so on march 17th 1937 Earhart flew her crew uh, she flew the first leg from Oakland to Honolulu. Oh, yeah, the town, son. Yeah, from the town, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so due to lubrication and uh, other problems with the— You say lubrication? Yes, lubrication oh. issues. Oh, okay. Spit uh, on it. <laughs> with the propeller hubs, uh, the aircraft needed servicing in Hawaii, so ultimately the Electra ended up— at the United States Navy's Luke Field on Ford Island in Pearl Harbor. And then the flight resumed three days later from Luke Field in um, Pearl Harbor. So the next destination was supposed to be Howland Island, a small 
Island in the Pacific. Manning was the only skilled radio operator. So Manning was still there. So the original plan was two people in the plane. Now there's three. Okay. So they wait. So uh, Noonan was the the lead navigator, right? And, and then Manning uh, was like the radio operator, the com comms yeah. expert type thing. Yeah, yeah. So okay. the forward landing gear had collapsed on the takeoff run. Both propellers okay. hit the ground, <laughs> and the plane just skidded, and the runway was damaged and shit. So there, the cause of that. Yeah, the cause of that is controversial. Some witnesses, uh, including the Associated Press journalist, said they saw a tire blow. Earhart threw out the Electra's right... She thought that the right tire had blown and or right landing gear had collapsed, but, I mean, some people said it was pilot error, which uh, is kind so, of tough. I don't know enough about aircraft to... Uh, especially vintage aircraft to right. assume anything but fucking 30s it, aircraft yeah <laughs> it, it was it was it the I, I highly doubt that landing gear and things of that nature were automated back in the 30s right so I'm, the pilot probably had to engage i'm pretty sure it was hydraulic and you had to press a button and then the landing gear would go up had a fucking so it river, is like yeah they probably you got to crank like a fucking old it. school window. Let me crank them out. <laughs> yeah, all right. Get it up. So it, it's definitely feasible that that they could have pressed the button too soon. They thought they were in the air, but they weren't, you know, and they pressed the button too soon. And they, that could definitely happen. Yeah. But, you know, I feel like if I was a pilot back in the day, I wouldn't be worrying about my landing gear until I'm like 10,000 feet in the air, you know? Right. If but, I'm, like, way up there, it's like, oh, shit, landing gear. Then you press the button. So after that shit happened, Manning was like, fuck this shit, I'm out. I'm not doing just, this. He was like, you, you're going to fucking kill us. So th that left him with two, right? So it's Earhart and Noonan, but neither of them were skilled radio operators, which is also pretty vital if you're going to be flying around the fucking world. Just a tad bit if you're trying to figure out where you're going, you know? Right. And you're just... I always go back to the ocean just because the ocean is so it's such an unknown and it's scary. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if it, especially and then there's in shadows plane. and shit. So like you could miss like all kinds of shit. Yeah. Especially in a plane where it's not meant to, to be seaworthy. If it goes down, it's not it, for, to a certain extent, it'll be buoyant in modern aircraft, right. but at a certain point it's just going to sink and you know, Back then, she was probably trying to save as much weight as possible going around the world, so she probably didn't have uh, uh, a life raft or things like that. You know, I would assume. I don't know if that's if if that's true. If you're trying to save as much weight as possible and save as much fuel in turn, you probably don't have a life raft and things like that in order to keep you afloat, literally. Yeah. So so they try again, right? But this yeah. time with two people. And they're like, okay, we're going to go west to east instead. Okay. It's completely fucking flipped it around. So, 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 so they, they did, did they refuel? Because that doesn't make any sense. They go from Oakland and then there's a malfunction. They, so they landed they go, in Hawaii. Right. No, no, they, they, they went from Oakland to Hawaii and they're supposed yep. to fly from Hawaii to, to like that Papa, Papa New Guinea or Howland Island. Howland right? Island. And before they took off, the they fucking skidded on the fucking runway. Yeah. So they expended the fuel to get from 
Oakland oh, to Hawaii. So they went from Hawaii they're... to Oakland. And, and now they're like, okay, we're going to go from Oakland to Miami. And, Miami. But they didn't tell anybody. It was unpublicized because they wanted to make sure that they got the shit right before they told gotcha. anybody so they wouldn't be made a mockery, right? So they didn't fuck nothing up. Yeah, right. Gotcha. So they they changed the direction because the global wind and weather patterns along the planned route were like really bad. So they flipped it so that it would be in their favor. Like headwinds and shit like oh, okay. that. So it was fucked up if they kept going towards... Uh, I keep, I forget the name of the island. It starts with the H. Howland. Howland Island. They for, they forget the... Hey, wasn't Howland Island also in in other episode? I have per- no idea. I'm pretty sure we've talked about Howland Island It sounds Island familiar, um, I'm sure, but I'm not sure. Yeah, let's move on, but that just popped into my head. <laughs> so they uh, that route from Hawaii to Howland Island was fucked with the with the wind and weather right. patterns so that but, i mean like... yeah but in you in any case the landing gear and or the tire blew or whatever the fuck happened it was a disaster so they looked at it and were like oh shit let's just flip it around let's go back this way right so on that second flight uh noonan was Earhart's only crew member the they departed on june 1st and after numerous stops in south america what after numerous stops in South America, Africa, the Indian subcontinent, Southeast Asia, they arrived at Ley, New Guinea on oh, June so th- 29th after that Miami. Sounds, that sounds like a roundabout way. Well, I don't know where Ley, New Guinea is. If I think it's where Papua New Guinea is, that's the opposite yeah. place of where I think it is. Papua New Guinea. So so basically they almost completed the trip. Yeah. They almost completed it, so they're so, in Papua New so Guinea. So at this stage, they're at twenty-two thousand miles. The, I think they only had seven thousand miles to go, or eleven thousand kilometers. They're in the islands off of Japan and China over that way. Right, they're like kind of near Australia, but like in the down lower. Gotcha. Up, up more north, east, north of Australia. More east, northeast of Australia. Okay, so at that point, all they would have had to do to complete the flight is go from to Hawaii and then from Hawaii to Oakland. Right. So at this stage they're planning to go to Howland Island and then Hawaii. Okay. Right. So around 3 PM Earhart uh, reporter altitude is 10,000 feet, but that they would reduce altitude due to thick clouds around 5 PM Earhart reported altitude is 7,000 feet and speed as 50 knots. Their last known position report was near uh, Nukumanu Islands, around 800 miles into the flight. You pulled that off, man. You, you, could, Nukumanu? you, tell, you tell that we went to school with a bunch of polys. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So you, you pulled that off. You got to break it down, you know, into... Yeah, with apostrophes and all. Yeah, everything. Yeah, you know, but uh, yeah, the the clouds were double C thick, so right. they had to bring the altitude down. So during the flight, Noonan may have been able to do some celestial navigation to determine his position. Um, the plane would cross the international dateline during the flight, uh, which would that's when it happened, right? So they failed to account for the dateline, which could account for a one degree or sixty mile position error. 
How does that make sense? It's just an imaginary line that changes the date from one day to the other on Earth. According to the U.S. Coast Guard, passing the date line and not accounting for it results in a one degree or 60 mile position error in flight. That, that, well, speaking of flight, um, can you hear that? I heard that. Yeah. Um, but that, that, I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a, any of our listeners out there that are pilots that know anything about this, uh, leave us a comment on our Twitter at shits weird bro one. If, if I'm completely off about this, cause that doesn't seem like it would make that huge of a deal to me. It's, it's literally an imaginary line that says, okay, Japan is yesterday and California is today. Yeah. Somebody much. please add us and figure that shit out. Cause I don't know. It, that doesn't make any sense to me, but I'm not a I'm not a fucking pilot, so you know. You, you're wearing a pilot's headset right now. It looks like it. It's a gaming <laughs> headset, but it definitely looks like a pilot's headset now that I look at myself. <laughs> so, they're prepping when they prepped for their trip to Howland Island. The Coast Guard sent a cutter ship, which is like, uh, just for transmitting radio frequency like gotcha send it to the island uh a ship like a like a boat you don't know what a cutter is kyle (laughs) i i'm not a naval uh historian well let me let me explain it to you okay A, a cutter is used by the coast guard it's a it's a ship usually 65 feet or longer has a permanently assigned crew on board with accommodations anyway this cutter was tasked okay. with many services to Howland Island, such as ferrying news reporters to the island, but it also had communication and navigation functions. Okay. So it's trying to just transmit stuff to help out. Right. Help with yeah. this whole deal and selling yeah. her book. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and they're going to get a kickback from it, you know. The the plan was for the the cutter to communicate with Earhart's aircraft via radio. The cutter could transmit radio homing signal to make it easy to find Howland Island without precise celestial navigation because you could just use the radio frequency to determine what direction it's coming from and just fucking fly that way, right? That makes sense, yeah. Um, Makes sense to my layman ears. I have no idea what the fuck that means, but you know. <laughs> yeah, the the cutter could do radio direction finding if Earhart used her 500 uh, kilohertz transmitter. Uh, so, it's like if you if you have a tile in your in your wallet, you know, like those little tile GPS things. Right, right. And you lose your wallet, and it starts pinging on your phone. That's right, how it, you can figure out how where it, it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what I assume how it works probably way off but but, the technology of that was pretty much experimental like they could use experimental high frequency direction finders for like her voice transmissions um and they could also use their boilers to make smoke (laughs) oh they're going real old school with it it, well i mean fuck it was the 30s like they're like well if anything doesn't work we're fucking sending up some smoke Smoke signals, I mean, really. Uh, right. Really, really an homage to Purdue. Yeah, right. the boiler They use their boilers to make smoke. Huh. Yep. Uh, right in there. But there was uh, a problem with the radio direction finding equipment uh, during the world flight. You think? So, yeah, so their transatlantic leg of the flight from uh, Brazil to Africa 
the Africa. equipment didn't work. They went from Brazil, so they went from Miami to Brazil to Africa. Okay. Didn't I say that? Yeah. Yeah, you went all over the place. You went from like you she went, went to... around the fucking world, Kyle. I don't yeah. know how else to tell yeah. you. Yeah. You know, it's it's a much doing research into this. It's a much more roundabout way than I previously thought it was. I thought, okay, you're going to go around the world. What's the fastest way? Just go in a straight line like towards the equator, you know what I mean? Instead of going from Miami down south Go east. Well, go you're north, not the director you know? of aeronautics at Purdue fucking University, are you? I'm sure not. That's why I said it's a more roundabout way than I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She followed. I'm... She basically followed the equator because she wanted the longest flight she possible. Trying to get in the record books. She got greedy. She's selling a fucking book, Kyle. What do you want her to do? She got just greedy. settle for the fastest way. Fly from yeah. from Canada she... to Greenland to fucking Russia and then to nope. Alaska. Around you the go, world, I did it. You go to Antarctica and do a 30-mile loop around the <laughs> South Pole. Done. And you did it. I made it Made it round. <laughs> she wouldn't be wrong. Anyway, her, her, her radio direction finding shit just didn't work after South America. And she was – the fact that she even made it to Papua New Guinea is insane considering that. Yeah. Yeah, well, obviously she had a good navigator in Noonan. Like, communication seemed to be an issue the entire time because neither of them were experienced with communications. Well, well that, well, the communications is an issue, but that, and this has never been done before. This had never been done before. So, this not was Not by literal. woman and not this far. Well, I mean, the woman is, it's a great thing. She was obviously the first woman, but this is the first time this has ever happened. Right. No, nobody else circumnavigated the globe. She was going to be the first person. Period. Sex aside, period. She would have been the first first person, and this had never been done before. So the the techniques through on, the air. Yeah, the tech. Yeah. Well, obviously, you can take a boat around, and they've done it before. The Navy, and obviously, the Spaniards did it with fucking wind. Um, but uh, fucking wind. It. They had sailboats. They didn't have nothing. You know, they're just like, we'll go where it takes us. That, that's fucking nuts. Ponce de Leon and them bastards. Um, but Fountain of uh, Youth, bro. Yeah, fuck Christopher Columbus. He was lost as shit. But anyways. Fountain of Youth um, is Ponce de Leon, bro. Ponce de Leon's dope, you know. Yeah, he's but other cool. than that. Um, but this has never been done, so you can't expect all the kinks to be worked out and for it to work perfectly. So I'm pretty sure they took into account that these complications were going to happen at some point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's never been done. So they, I'm sure Amelia has been on plenty of crazy flights. She has been, she was the, I think she was the first woman to fly across the U S and she founded a fucking federation of female pilots. She's been on a few flights. Exactly. So she's seen a lot. So she, she knows how to problem solve and, and think on the fly. So I don't think they took into account that it was going to be as big of a problem as it actually was, or at least what the story is making it seem to be. Not saying she's cocky or anything, but she's like, a little communication, eh, I got yeah, this. I've done it before, you know. But flying from fucking New Guinea to Howland Island with no communication? Howland Island on the grand Tough. scope of things is, is like a 
a grain of rice. You would on want the table. to. You would really want to fly from there to Hawaii, basically, which is the biggest island that you can see from pretty far away because the mountain ranges yeah. and all that shit. Yeah. But it's also really far, so you need a lot of gas. And in that the plane they had, and I mean all that shit they did with the fuselage, you can only go so far. Well, anyway. I mean this was. This was right before World War II as well. So this, um, they had they had naval stations and air force bases on Hawaii, obviously, because mm-hmm. we know why we got into World War II. Right. Um, so I mean, they could have definitely refueled. I mean, Coast you know Guard I mean? already had a ship on Howland Island ready to give her yeah. radio frequencies. Yep. Anyways. Um. Anyway, transatlantic of... flight. We left off on the transatlantic flight from Brazil to. No, she was already in New Guinea. Okay. And she's trying to fly to Howland Island. So. Gotcha. There's like obviously they're having issues with the radio direction finding equipment, but they're still able to get her radio transmissions. So the first calls are like routine, like the weather is cloudy and overcast. They receive those at two forty-five and just before five a.m. on July second. She's keeping a captain's log, like fucking yeah, Captain Kirk. Right, just in case anybody's listening, this is what's happening. This is where Space I am. Space log, but, 2093. Yeah. <laughs> it is cloudy today. <laughs> the weather is cloudy and overcast. On! <laughs> the, uh, those calls were broken up by a lot of static, um, but the aircraft was still a really long distance from Howland. Uh, around 6.14, another call was received stating the aircraft was within 200 miles and requesting that the ship use their direction finder to provide bearing for the aircraft, but that shit didn't work. So Earhart began whistling into the microphone to provide continual, like, a signal so that the ship can hone in on them and tell them where to go. Higher frequency had probably cut through all the the bullshit. Yeah, so it it was at this point the radio operators on that ship realized their RDF system could not tune into the aircraft's high frequency because it was still it was experimental technology at the time anyway. So the the radio man on the other end he said I was sitting there sweating blood because I couldn't do a damn thing about it, like. He said they received a similar call at 6.45 when Earhart said they were about 100 miles out. Uh, she's estimating because she doesn't fucking know. Like yeah. she's, she's just going off Noonan's uh, shit, but he yeah. could be 60 miles off. Yeah. So uh, at 7.58, your transmission said she couldn't hear the ship and asked them to send voice signals so she could try to take a radio bearing like it an idea of what, like where mm-hmm. they are, what's going on. What do they see? What like talk to me basically. You know how crazy that would be just being out there on the ocean. You literally can't see anything. There's no landmarkers anywhere. You don't know where you're flying. You but could the, literally be flying in circles. This is a crazy part about that transmission. It, like it was almost eight o'clock in the morning. She said that she couldn't hear them and ask them to send more voice signals. But uh, that was the ship said it was the loudest possible signal, which indicated that Earhart and Noonan were in the immediate area. And they couldn't send voice at the frequency she asked for, so Morse code signals were sent instead. Earhart acknowledged receiving the Morse code signals, but said she was unable to determine the direction. 
That's, and okay. nobody on the plane had adequate knowledge of Morse code any fucking way because they weren't comm experts. Yeah, that's pretty important to know what dot dot dash stop means. Fucking A. So she's yeah. like, okay, <laughs> what the, whatever the fuck that means. And then yeah. they send like more Morse code. And she's like, ah. I don't know. Cool. This is like Braille. Yeah. yeah. So she's acknowledging it, but she can't fucking understand it. So her last known transmission was at 8.43 a.m. She said, we're on the line uh, 157.337. We will repeat this message. We will repeat on uh, 6,210 kilocycles. However, a few moments later, she was back on the same frequency, which is uh, 3,105 kilohertz with a transmission that was logged as questionable. It says we are running line. We are running on the line north and south, which indicates that she's believed to have reached Howland's charted position, which was incorrect by about five nautical miles. That's not well. I don't know what a nautical mile is, but five miles doesn't seem like it's too bad. Right. So the ship starts to fire up the fucking boilers to generate some smoke. Yeah. Uh, but apparently the flyers didn't see it. Um, there's a lot of scattered clouds in the area. Uh, <laughs> That'll put a real uh, damper on finding smoke yeah, signals. Yeah, so the dark shadows on the ocean surface may have been almost indistinguishable from the the island's like super flat profile. Oh shit! So I don't all, know. I don't know the geography of, of fucking how Howland Island. Island is flat as fuck, which makes it ideal for landing a plane. But yeah, you can't but really see it from very far away because it's especially if it's not crazy contrasting with the, with the water, like you know? sand. Yeah, if it's a darker, yeah, if it's sand, it's like oh well, that's something different. Yeah. If it's just like a dark, or if it's dark green, it's just gonna blend in. Right. Yeah, that sucks. So all contact is lost with Howland Island. Attempts uh, were made to reach the flyers with Morse code and voice transmissions. Operators across the Pacific and United States may have heard signals from the downed Electra, but these were unintelligible or weak. Oh, and they were also running out of fucking gas. I don't think I mentioned that. You didn't, but that's definitely a giant... Uh... Like, they... They... There was, like, in the search efforts, they did a lot of research, and the shit... The, the plane had enough gas to get to Howland Island on paper... But if you but, don't know where the fuck Howland Island is, <laughs> but if you're facing headwinds and searching for the island, like just yeah, flying you're wherever, you, you're gonna run out of fucking gas. Yep. That fucking sucks. Yeah. Uh, imagine, imagine being either uh, Noonan or Earhart in that c- in scenario. You're trying to contact somebody. You can't figure out what the fuck's going on with the Morse code coming in. You know, you don't know what's happening. Smoke signals aren't working because of the scattered clouds. And you're just kind of like, okay, well, I'm getting low on fuel. I got like less than a quarter of a tank going right. here. This is car terms. Less than a quarter of a tank <laughs> going here. And I still don't know where the fuck this place is. That's what I like, don't want to hear on the uh, overhead in a plane. We got about a quarter tank. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know you're in trouble. Yeah. Or if you're sitting there, you're you're on a long flight. You're like from... Uh, from California to Australia or something like that, and all of a sudden you hear, uh, you hear, bing, 
like you do in your car and you're like, oh, what was that? The the captain's going to say something. Oh, that's the low fuel indicator. Um, <laughs> Nobody panic. Emergency stop. <laughs> um, so they're on their low fuel indicator. Which, if you know your car, you know how many days you'll be able to get back and forth to work with. But they're not going back and forth to work. They're just kind of hovering around this island trying to find where the hell it is. This is the 30s. Low fuel means out of fuel. Yeah, basically. So and... they they start searching for about an hour after her last recorded message. Um, and I mean the search, shit, still goes on. Well, I mean, how how can you look for something like that? Like it's so vast of an area, and the ocean's so deep and requires such specific equipment to get down to those depths yeah that didn't to, exist at the time yeah it like uh an expedition can only do so much at a time you know what i mean they can only go down and search like a certain mileage of real estate at a time on the ocean floor and then they got to come up because they're going to run out of air or fuel or whatever it is here's it's not like there was one part of the search that like enraged me so like a week after the disappearance uh, a naval aircraft from the Colorado, USS Colorado, flew over several islands in the group, including Gardner Island, which is now called uh, Nikumoro. Nikumororo. It's We're an not island. Japanese. Gardner Island. Yep, that's it. Which had been uninhabited for over forty America. for over forty years. It was uninhabited. This, uh, the re- report on Gardner Island read, Here, signs of recent habitation were clearly visible, but repeated circling and zooming failed to elicit any answering wave from possible inhabitants, and it was finally taken for granted none were there. Like a fucking flyby? Nobody bothered to, like, like hey, let me go the down bitch. there, or, like, yeah. let's charter a boat over there. Like, if you can't so land there, there. There were signs of inhabitants. But then they it was they uninhabited didn't. for forty years, and they fly over it, and there are signs of inhabitants. That's promising, right? you know. But like, that's in the in the scope. It, it how far is that from Howell Island or Howland Island? Not terribly far. Like if they were, if uh, Earhart was ex- as experienced as she was, and if Noonan was as experienced as he was. If they couldn't see Howland Island right away, they're not going to circle it and crash land. Yeah. You know, wherever the fuck they think they are. They're going to go south, which is that line that she said she was on, was yeah. that north-south line. So she's going to go south where there's a, like little pockets of islands. To and, find something. Yeah, Gardner Island is in there, in that southern area with a bunch of islands surrounding it. But That makes a lot of sense. It. The only thing is, is I know the the Polynesian people are are travelers and explorers, and that's kind of where that's in the same cluster of of, of islands, islands right. in the same kind of area. So they all started from one place, and then obviously Hawaii and Samoa and Tonga and Guam right. and all these places weren't naturally inhabited. They had to have traveled there. They came from a a big body continent like they probably came from somewhere in asia you know i've re- obviously we, we started in africa and then we migrated north 
and they probably came from somewhere along those lines. Yeah, but I mean, this island was uh, inhabited in eighteen hundreds. It like it was, but it yeah. had been uninhabited for forty years, which is since like nineteen hundred. So I mean, that can also I could see why they could have called off the search because that could have been. 40 years, I mean, there still might be residuals from right, like from the previous civilization mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck was there, you know? like you Yeah, but obviously no one's, like, trying to be saved. No one's like, hey, yeah. I'm here, or, you know, any visual. Yeah, that's why I'm saying that's kind of shaky for, right. I mean, it makes, it's convenient that it seems like Earhart would, Earhart and Noonan would land and well, be found on something like that. The report said that the lagoon at Gardner looked like deep enough and certainly large enough so that like a seaplane or even an airboat could have landed or taken off in any direction with little, if any, difficulty. So given a chance, it's believed that Earhart could have landed her craft in this lagoon and swum or waded ashore. They also found uh, Gardner's shape and size as recorded on charts were wholly inaccurate. Other Navy search efforts were again directed north, west-southwest of Howland Island based on a possibility that Electra had ditched in the ocean was afloat or the aviators were in an emergency raft. Yeah. So, I mean, they pretty much state that, like, a plane could have landed in that lagoon, but they just didn't even... They're like, maybe, but, meh, probably not. So... If there's, I mean, if there's no evidence of wreckage. Yeah, but I mean, they didn't land, like you said, they didn't go down there and actually look for anything. So, how, like, the wreckage could definitely be lower than just the lagoon. You know what I mean? It could be in a deeper spot. You know, they could right. have wrecked in the ocean rather than the lagoon, and the the plane's gone, and then they swam to the island, which is a possibility for right. sure. But, I mean, back in the U.S., though, Putnam, he acted to become trustee of Earhart's estate so that he could pay for searches and related bills. Uh, In probate court in L.A., Putnam uh, requested to have the declared death in absence, which is like a seven-year waiting period. Oh, like, Uh, yeah, he had it waived this long. Yeah, he had it waived so that he could manage her finances. How rich was she? Oh, she had money. Rich. Yeah, but I don't. I mean, you know how many copies of her book she sold after dying on a round the world trip? You know what they uh, say about writers bit. and artists? You know, you're only appreciated after you're dead. Most of them, yes. So, Putnam yeah. became very rich. So, the big question: Do you think that she landed on an island and lived out the rest of her days somewhere? On an uninhabited small island I somewhere think... in the South South Pacific, specific, or did she eat shit in the middle of the ocean? I think her and Noonan fell in love, and they landed. Oh, on, they landed on Gardner Island, and they lived out the rest of their days in an island paradise, like Gilligan's Island type shit. They like crash landed there. And uh, just more there. like like uh, like you know that island in. Uh, was it Pirates of the Caribbean, where there's just rum everywhere? Why is there no rum? Why is the rum gone? Yeah, yep. that. Yep. That's he finds what they the did. little fucking cellar. Yeah, they just got dope. drunk every day, eating coconuts and bananas and shit. 
Yeah. And made sweet, sweet love and had a bunch of children that are still there today. Oh, they're still there. So well, they the have grand grandchildren and grandchildren of those grandchildren now. They're starting to get real deliverancey. Oh yeah, it's getting yeah. very. Yeah, they're making banjos, and having fun. Or they they live under the land. They're like they're they're burrowing people they're because <laughs> when they flew over they're the underground top, people. yeah, when they flew over the top, there's no signs of inhabitants because they all live underground. That's right. Yeah, because it's much cooler underground, as we all know. But more, you know, lamestream media thinks that the crash and sink theory fits better. That they just ran out of fuel while searching for Howland Island like a bunch of jackasses, ditched it at sea, and drowned. Well, it it makes sense because they haven't found any wreckage and things like that. Fucking boring! Um, It's boring! It is boring. Have you ever heard of the Ring of Fire? You know what's not boring? Real life, Kyle. Ever heard of it? It could definitely get boring at times, Chris. Well, it's boring right now because we're in fucking quarantine, but other than you that... Know, my my penis can only take so much. <laughs> you know? There, there's no only more. so much time of the no day. Stop, more. please. I know you're bored, but stop it. Stop you know? it. Uh, have you ever heard of the Ring of Fire? Uh, in a Johnny Cash song, yes. Well, not the burning ring of fire. Um, okay. The ring of fire is essentially um, is essentially the Pacific's version of the Bermuda Triangle. Not oh, really. Not that really, sounds a lot but... more like dangerous than the Bermuda Triangle. It the is. Ring it, of fire. It, it's it's kind of uh, it it it's more based in real life rather than being. The like the Bermuda Triangle, you don't know like what it is, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like this weird anomaly. The Ring of Fire is basically the line. If you look at a world map, and it's a good name the, for it, an Indian restaurant, is what it is. <laughs> it sure is. Um, if you look at a map of the Pacific and you look at the land masses that are around it, it kind of forms like a, a three quarters of a ring. And in that ring, along along the Mexican coast, along the uh, American and Canadian coastline, all the way over to the Asian coastline, down to the islands that we're talking about, Philippines, mm-hmm. Australia, all that, is the highest concentration of volcanoes and earthquakes in the entire world. That, that coastline has more volcanoes and earthquakes and uh, kind of weird electromagnetic magnetic activity than anywhere in the world. A lot of people, well, I wouldn't say a lot of people, but uh, people out there theorize um, that this draws attention and, and is like a source of power because of the electromagnetic activity and all that good fun stuff. That's Atlantis. Why, well, it could be. The, they, we're not talking about that right now. Lemurians? Well, that's why they're in Shasta, you know? So it's in the Ring of Fire, technically. But um, Yish. a lot of people, you, you know, everybody knows what UFOs are. Not many people know what USOs are, unidentified submerged objects. Ooh. So they're essentially the same thing, but they're underwater instead of in the land, in the air. Um, the highest concentration of reported USO activity comes out of the area in the Pacific, kind of what we're talking about here. 
like Catalina Island to Hawaii to over into like the Guamanian Islands. Like if the Navy has reported, the Navy and the Air Force, everybody that's flying out there, the more uh, the so the government, the, most, the government, you believe what the ha- government tells you now? Exactly, I'm a shill. Um, <laughs> the uh, the highest concentration of these USOs happen to be within the Ring of Fire. Um, is it too far-fetched to say that something like the Bermuda Triangle happened here in the Ring of Fire and it jumbled? Because obviously they're having communications issues uh, with the the boat that was literally right underneath them. They couldn't figure out where the hell it was going. Is it too far-fetched to say that the electromagnetic uh, activity in that certain area screwed with instrument clusters and things like that? To where it threw their navigation off to where yes. they did. Okay. Because the navigate the 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 RDF or radio direction finder didn't work since Brazil. Since and they Brazil. just never fucking fixed it. I don't know. They're just flying. They're just like, ah. They're just flying. Like, you know, it's kinda like, you know, when you hear a rattle in your car and you turn the radio up and you're like, Can't hear ah, it now. It's not there. Yeah. What's that? noise yeah, eh. can't hear put it. sawdust in the transmission so you could sell it you know i just like thing. the idea that they're they were in gardner island so that or nika what i call it niku maroro Mur- you gotta say it angrily though because it sounds japanese niku maroro exactly okay oh nakamura no that's not right no Gardner Island, the Gardner Gardner Island hypothesis assumes that Earhart and Noonan, having having not found Howland Island, would not waste time searching for Howland. Instead, they turn south and look for other islands, like I said before. Um, The Gardner Island hypothesis has the plane making it to Gardner Island, which is one of the Phoenix Islands. Um, a week after... We all know what the fuck a Phoenix Island is, Chris. <laughs> yeah, it's a cluster of islands in the uh, Pacific Ocean. The Pacific. Yes. A week after Earhart's disappearance, planes saw signs of habitation, like we said. Uh, there is a wreck on that mm-hmm. island, which is pretty much like on dry land now, which was a ship that like broke in half it was like a trade ship that just went from port to port selling whatever with no agenda from nowhere it was like just like a random merchant ship yeah uh but it didn't see any signs of Earhart's plane or actual people so maybe they were living subterranean um after that's it like like the lemurians (laughs) they just go under mount shasta right and they live there right and they've seen too much race They've seen too much. Yeah, that's crazy. The Lemurians are nuts too. If you, if you haven't heard about the Lemurians, go back and listen to our older episode, Manchasta, the Lemurians. Uh, Lemurian it's basically connection. This, yeah, that's it. It's basically this super advanced civilization that big decided feats. to to live under Mount Shasta and live there in secrecy, um, away from us dumb humans. Um, and they're still they're still probably there to this day. You know, people don't really venture into the caves there. Not really. Yep. So, but subterranean is kind of the way to go on, on these islands like that, right? Like if you, you're too much sun. These are two, 
European white people. Okay, I mean it's just too much sun well, for them. They can't do it. They're American, but that's okay. But I mean, like their you bone meant, structure you meant, and you meant Aryan, Anglo white people. Gotcha. Um, but if you go her, back to what her, you were, oh, her husband undertook a search in the Phoenix group of islands, but nothing was found. By him, maybe he didn't look hard enough. Yeah. maybe he was trying to keep her money. Ooh, ooh, that's what I thought too. When I was like, "Oh, he tried to speed up taking her estate." What? What? What if getting because real Man- forensic filey in here? Because Manning dipped out on the, he dipped out on the whole expedition. What if Manning was actually the better navigator, and her husband put Noonan in there because he she he just knew to that fuck she, her over. Yeah, because she he knew that she wasn't he wasn't as good, and he was trying to take over her estate. But. Maybe he popped the tire in Honolulu. Oh, his husband or Manning? Yeah, the husband, just to get Manning to get out of there. But the husband wasn't there. How do you know? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe he he paid somebody. Yeah, I know. Back in the day, you can get away with a lot of things without people knowing. There's no cell phones. See, I did it. Who cares? (laughs) Hey, Muggsy, get over here. (laughs) Um, I'll but pay yeah, you a nickel it, to pop that tire. It, we can we can go back to uh, the uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean reference that you made earlier. When he found all that rum on that that island that he got deserted on, he stashed where, it there. Where was the rum? Underground. The rum was buried in the cellar underground to keep it nice and cool and protected from everything else to keep it from going bad. That's right. It wouldn't be too far fetched for people to build their own little base underneath, uh, underneath an island, so they could stay nice and cool out of the sun and have everything that they need right there. Added evidence, okay. Yeah. In 1937, uh, Eric Bevington and Henry E. Maud visited Dude. Gardner Island with potential settlers. A group Set walked. This. All the way around the island, didn't find a plane or any other evidence. Uh, during the visit, they took a picture of the uh, abandoned ship that's there, uh, the wreck. Uh, they took it in 2010. Or no, picture of the wreck. And then in 2010, they took the picture in 1937. In 2010, uh, you can see like a small piece of landing gear like sticking out of the water. Uh, but then in 2019, a search of the island suggests that the object in the photo resembles local rocks. So maybe oh, not. Yeah, it's a little bit when off. you have a grainy 1937 yeah. picture, you see what you want to see. Yeah. And I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a map of the area where Howland Island's supposed to be and mm-hmm. Gardner Island. There's fucking and- nothing else. There's nothing. You can go further south and yeah. there's big, bigger ma- masses of land. But these little dot, the dots that signify Howland Island and Gardner Island are bigger than the the islands themselves when it comes to, uh, when it comes to right. the map zoomed the, out the, like in the scale. The pin is bigger than the actual island. Yeah, I mean that's a yeah that's a really close distance. It's really all in the same area. And if you're running out of fuel, it makes sense that you would go there. I was thinking, I was like, why wouldn't you just go to Hawaii if you know exactly where that's at? Because that's not too far, but but it's quite a bit further. Right. Than Gardner Island. But I don't know. It's tough. 
the ocean is so vast, dude. I, you have a much higher likelihood of the boring story happening where they ran out of gas and ate shit in the ocean, <laughs> and actually finding an island. That's for you sure. Know? It, it's statistically that's exactly what happened. But but look, okay, it's that's not fun. April 1940, a skull was discovered and buried, but British colonial officer Gerald Gallagher uh, didn't learn of it until September. So what he did was he did a more thorough search of the area, which included looking for artifacts such as rings. The search found more bones, a bottle, a shoe, and a sextant box, whatever that is box you put your sex toys in i don't know that's what i was thinking on uh september 23rd why would you bring that that's just added weight <laughs> i mean i told you that her and noonan were having nooners they, on the plane nooners it, they didn't have autopilot back then Afternoon they do put a, delight. would they put a stick under the fucking hey, steering nothing wheel makes you climax faster than being in a stall free fall from thirty thousand feet i don't know if that's true <laughs> But you ever fucking zero gravity? I don't think so. No, it sounds fun, <laughs> you know. But I've never done it. <laughs> so <I'll, laughs> how do I move on? Uh, on I don't think you can. <laughs> <laughs> on September twenty third, Gallagher radioed his superiors that he found a skeleton, possibly that of a woman, along with an old fashioned uh, sex toy box. Under a tree gotcha. on the island southeast corner. That would be nice under a tree, you know. Right. Under a tree, so nice and. He noted nice and that the, the bones look more than four years old to him, but it seems to be very slight chance that this may be the remains of Amelia Earhart. Well, why didn't they take the fucking bones and DNA test the bastard? So what he did was he sent them to Fiji. And then Dr. D.W. Hoodless of Central Medical School examined the bones. That he guy took... was circumcised, huh? This is in 1941. Hoodless. Nice. He took measurements and he wrote a report. So using uh, Carl Pearson's formulas for the stature and the lengths of the femur, tibia, and humerus, uh, Hoodless <laughs> concluded that, that the she person was female. Looked, she was about five and a half, uh, five foot, five and a half inches tall. Hoodless wrote the skeleton could be that of a short, stocky, muscular European or even a half caste or a person mixed of European descent. This was also in the era of like really racist anthropology. When he said half caste, that's a little Yeah. So Earhart's nineteen thirty pilot's license says that she was five foot eight and about one hundred and eighteen pounds. What how big was Noonan? That's what I wanted to know, but it didn't say anything about that. So we're just gonna so, ignore it. Because if you use like George Costanza, then that makes sense. Cause he even says Hoodless wrote it may definitely uh, stated that the skeleton was that of a male. Okay. Hill so, was I mean... further stated, owing to the weather-beaten condition of all the bones, it's possible to be dogmatic in regard to the age of the person's time of death, but I am of the opinion that he was not less than 45 years of age and probably he was older. 
say between 45 and 55. Earhart was 39 and 11 months when she disappeared. So yeah, the only the only uh, the only thing I could think of because usually if you're gonna find if you're gonna find one skeleton, you'll probably find the other one if they were together. You know what I mean? Here's another thing, thing that frustrates me: the bones were misplaced in Fiji long ago and can't be re-examined. Uh, lovely, beautiful, right? So it's How fucking it's con- convenient! Con- convenient. So you're saying that somebody shot them the fuck down. Yeah. And they're covering it up. Somebody got the hoodless first. He was just Dr. Hood. And somebody got to him. Yep. He got hoodwinked. Yep. He got hoodless. I think mine was better, but. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's better. But the only thing that would make sense to me is if, like, say, Amelia, because obviously that was a, of a male, uh, the the skeleton was male's skeleton. If Amelia died first and then uh, Noonan buried her somewhere, it would be a lot more difficult to find her remains if she was buried somewhere, mm-hmm. like respectfully, you know. And his are just kind of strewn about because he died out by himself and right. whatever was that there sucks. ate him. You know what I mean? Too bad, bro. But, yeah, that makes sense. But shit, I don't know. I mean, it's what not- a good way to write another book, though, right? Like, wouldn't you just, like, like if you were Earhart, wouldn't you have written another book after that happened to you? After you died and got buried? Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely write another book. Yeah. For sure. Like, you know. Her, That's and, how the Lemurians it, write all their books. Yeah, after death. It sounds a lot. You know, if you're a Scientologist, you can definitely, uh do that you know you have the ability if you have enough fucking whatever they get tested as if you have enough <laughs> you know what i mean of that they, stuff they have, clout in the science yeah. the scientological you know society. like tom tom cruise is definitely going to die one day and when he dies he's going to live on and write a book after death he's going to jump into a volcano and then just explode into a new earth with xenu he'll be one with xenu that's right but you know i think it was uso's the USOs and the Ring of Fire came out, and they were examining this crazy bitch that they have never seen before. Uh, extraordinary like, woman to you. Eh, Excuse you. She, Excuse you, sir. She's pretty crazy for flying across, around the world. You know, this is nuts. She's radical. Definitely, for sure. So they come out, and they've never seen anything fly across uh, this uh, length of ocean, and they're just like, the hell's this motherfucker doing? So they came up and prodded it and said, said like, what's going on, man? What's going on? And she started freaking out and they just like gave her a little laser beam shot and downed it. And they're like, they okay, said, Hey, that's not one of ours. Yeah. They hit it shot with like it a down. fly swatter, you know, like a, like an alien fly swatter. Not you know one those of our ones? ships. It's not going to Lake Titicaca. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot know, it down. Electric. He, he hit him with the electric fly swatter. They basically just did that with their weapons and downed them. God That's damn. what I think happened, you know. That makes much more sense than you're crazy. They landed on a different island that's really close to Howland Island, you know. That's hey, fuck super you, man. Far-fetched. Check this out. So somebody did – so in 2018, uh, a study by American anthropologist Richard Jantz – Dick Jantz. Dick Jantz. Uh, he estimated the size of Earhart's skeleton based on the photographs and re analyzed the earlier data using modern forensic techniques based on the measurements of 
2,700 Americans who died in the mid-20th century, the study concluded that Earhart's bone measurements were closely matched with the bones that were found on Gardner Island, uh, 99% of the reference sample. Oh, shit. However, other criticized the study for being based on little factual evidence. And that the bones are misplaced. Well, there were only seven measurements done from the skeleton in 1941. And then, like, everything else is just estimates based on photos. It doesn't seem like nearly enough. So you can <laughs> you can doubt the accuracy of the measurements, but I choose to believe. A tad bit. I don't know. Uh, let's all bullshit aside. Most likely, she ran out of gas and crashed and threw herself into the ocean and died somewhere in between just, Hawaii I, and. You Hawaii. know what? I just want to believe that there was a better ending for someone that incredible. I yeah, want to believe but that, no. but in reality, but just a was, horrible, horrible ending of life. She was being very, like you said, she was being, she was being radical, and she was being like at the forefront of aviation, and the technology wasn't sussed out yet. It wasn't, it wasn't perfected yet. So she was really, literally flying by the seat of her pants, um, yeah. just going blind. And when something came up to where their navy wasn't working, their navigation wasn't working, and they couldn't find Howland Island, they're literally screwed because the landmass concentration in that area is nothing. There's no fucking land there. Unless you know exactly where you're going, you're fucked because the islands are so small that you can probably barely land a plane on them. You know what I mean? Like they're probably barely big enough for a 100-meter runway. You know, like – the land, the the land masses out there aren't gigantic. Hang so, on, I got a good quote for for your uh to help you. Uh, with my ring of fire. Yeah, Captain. No, well, not ring of fire, but just that they crashed and fucking sunk. Oh come on, everybody. Okay. Captain Lawrence Stafford, U.S. Navy, retired, of course. He was responsible for the interwar mid Pacific strat strategic direction finding net. And he was in charge of the decoding of the Japanese purple cipher messages for the attack on Pearl Harbor. Purple Harbor. Purple Harbor. Purple was in the beginning of the sentence. Fuck you. Attack Uh, on Purple Harbor. He began a lengthy analysis of the Earhart flight during the 70s. His research concluded the intricate radio transmissions uh, documentation. Stafford came to the conclusion, small quote, Poor planning, worse execution. That's all he had to say after doing extensive research. Well, I mean, it makes a whole lot of sense. It's just like, I don't know if I was the first person to go around. I mean, we don't have, obviously this happened a long time ago, so we don't have all the information. So if I was to be the first person that's going to fly. Neither did they. Exactly. But if I'm. To be the first person that's flying around the 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 world, I would be preparing for this forever. Yeah, for you know a really I mean? long time. I would be preparing for it for a long time to make sure I have everything like buttoned up. And you if know? your fucking radio direction finder gets broken, fix it. Yeah, or 
fix it. At least ha- have somebody on staff that knows how to fix the fucking thing. Or that. Yeah, you know? And by the way, like, Gardner Island is not the most uh, friendly island. There's not a lot of infrastructure there. There, I mean, it looks like a fang. It looks like a fang, but only the outside of the fang. I mean, it's not exactly land. Kong Island, okay, Kyle? It's not like... It's literally, the like, the lagoon that you're talking of is 90% of the island. Right. It's like, it's just the outline of the island is actually land. It's essentially a crescent. Yeah. So if you landed on that island, you're fucked. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even if, even if, like, it would take incredible accuracy to land inside that lagoon. So they probably landed in the ocean. But even if they, if they landed in the ocean... There's not much that you have there to uh, to, swim to live to on and live on. Like, yeah, if you actually got there, it's a beach. It's one big beach that goes all the yeah. way around everything. And so, if you've been on a beach without a bar, it's not as much fun. Or some type of alcohol, you know. Or any beverage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's not as fun. <laughs> unless you're a kid. Water. Unless you're a kid and you make your own uh, your own fun, you know. Yeah, dig a hole. Yeah, but us, we need daddy sodas. That's right. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure she just died in the ocean. Oh, yeah, you both know? of them clearly fucking drowned. I mean... It's not It's not a hero's end, if, but, I feel like if the know? bones would have resembled Noonan, they would have said something. I feel like Noonan gets kind of the shaft in all of this because Earhart's all remembered as being this incredible woman, but then he's just like this dead guy. <laughs> it's just this dead guy that's there, you know. It's a it's a rare instance of like the uh a story in the in the thirties where the woman is remembered and the man is just fucking forgotten. Yeah, nobody if I bet you ninety percent of the people that I'm are not listening crying to this, about it. I'm just saying yeah, But I, I bet you ninety percent of the people that are listening to this didn't even know that she had somebody else on the plane with her. Oh no, they probably just thought she was flying fucking solo. Because to be completely honest with you, before I started researching this, I didn't know there was anybody else on the plane. <laughs> you know what I mean? I thought I thought it was literally, oh, Amelia Earhart, she died. Where'd her plane go? And she was the first one to go around the world. I didn't know she had a navigator or anything like that. Right. You know, like I, because it's not put out there. It's not, oh, Amelia Earhart and whatever the fuck that's and first name first is. Name Noonan. Noonan. Yeah, first name Noonan are dead. You know. Exactly. We did the research and we don't even know what the fucking guy's We're first like, name what's is. What's his first name? Fred or some I shit. I think it's like Edward. That. I like Fred. Fred Noonan. You would like Fred. That's what's that have to do with anything? But yeah, Fred. She... It is Fred. Ah yeah. God damn. I win. Right. Um fuck it. But you know, I I don't I think this is kind of a open and closed case. It's it's, it's fun to romanticize it and uh, and speculate about things, but pretty sure she just got lost and ran out of gas. And if she didn't die, then she's dead now. Oh uh, yeah. You think she's alive from the 1930s still living on a fucking island? Hey, there's people still alive from the 30s, not yeah. living on island. Well. Not living on this fucking island, Gardner Island. <laughs> Shitheads, you listen to this and you don't think you don't you can't visualize what I'm talking about. Go 
and look up Gardner Island, and you'll see why it would be impossible to still be alive then. Uh, now. It's God's thumbnail. It can happen. Yeah. Uh, okay, JT. Is it JT or JP from JP? Little, uh, JP. JP. Um, but there's very little green on it, and that green I don't believe is is trees. It looks like it's to be. Uh, it's probably grass and rolling hills. Weeds. So there's probably not much to eat there. Well, you heard fish. it here first, shitheads. <laughs> She's dead. No. She's dead. Yeah. Conclusion. Dead. Sorry. Yeah. Bye. She... See ya.